It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We appreciate you guys being with us. If you're listening to us on the audio, you're doing so on Tuesday morning. Good morning to you or afternoon, whenever you listen to us. For our live YouTube audience, thanks for being with us, too. Appreciate it if you guys would subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. Just go look for Silver and Black Today and hit the subscribe button. Put on the auto download and you'll be ready to go. So uh, thanks for doing that. Myself today only, Mo is on his dark retreat, if you guys remember from our last show. (laughs) Hopefully he doesn't blow out his Achilles when he comes back like Aaron Rodgers did after his. So we'll see how that all goes, but Mo will be back for the show later in the week. Just wanted to climb on and give you a show for your Tuesday or Monday, depending when you're listening to us. But I wanted to talk about the, the, the subject at hand, of course, which is Antonio Pierce. Coming off this big win last week on Thursday, it seems like it was forever ago now, doesn't it? With the whole NFL weekend, and of course you guys know I work at SportsNot where I cover the entire NFL, so we had a busy Sunday and Saturday, so it was it was a long weekend, but great, but no Raider football, which means that uh, they have like a mini buy, right? They don't play now until Christmas, which is on uh, Christmas Day, which is on Monday. So they get an extended period of time off, which is good, especially dealing with some of those injuries, especially when the Raiders, now they their playoff chances are very slim. If you've seen the scenarios, I'm not going to go through them all. It's like a Rubik's Cube on steroids. Uh, you, you have to figure out all these things. They need a lot of help. Didn't help yesterday with some of the AFC wins, including the Bengals and others. So they're in a tough bind, and so we're not going to go into the playoff scenarios, but the Raiders have other things to play for, right? Don't they? I mean, they have not only pride and all that, all the other things that you would expect from a professional athlete, but also from the fact that Antonio Pierce is trying to win the job. So now they go into Kansas City on Christmas Day. And as you guys know, Kansas City has not been a good spot for them. And they're a 10-point underdog as I speak to you today. Not surprising, although the Chiefs, again... Even if you look at what happened with the Chiefs in New England on Sunday, this is not the Chiefs team you're used to. So, can the Raiders beat them? I'm sure they could. The record, though, it's hard, hard, especially if you're odds makers, you can understand why they're 10-point underdogs, right? Even though they're up. Raider1961 on YouTube. Hey, man, what's going on? Same with MDM. Saying hello to everybody. Egalitarian2017. Thanks for being on with us on the live chat. But anyway, listen. It's a tough place to play. The Raiders have aren't going to get any sort of um, leeway in going to Kansas City, right? But the Chiefs are struggling. You saw it again yesterday, Kadarius Toney with the drop balls again. And you see Patrick Mahomes. And I know you guys hate the Chiefs, but I will tell you, Patrick Mahomes, still a good quarterback, not having a great year for a lot of different reasons. But he's increasingly frustrated. Now, That said, what I like about that is the fact that the Raiders' defense continues to get better. The Raiders' defense continues to play better. Now, against the Chargers, you know, a lot of people wanted to take away something from the Raiders uh, that they beat the Chargers who had quit, the Chargers without Justin Herbert. That's true. 
but you still have to execute. And the Raiders' defense early on just shook Easton Stick, right? So they, they didn't have a chance. And I think what we need to see out of the Raiders on Christmas Day is a similar performance. Now, I know Patrick Mahomes is no Easton Stick. Don't get me wrong on that one. But I will tell you this. They have to go in and punch those guys in the mouth quickly. They have to set the pace. So it's going to be difficult to do that, but uh, not impossible. So you have to look at that point of view and say, look, okay, Christmas Day, cold in Kansas City, all that jazz. But I do think that the Raiders, to play their best, look, the defense is doing what they have to do. Travis Kelsey doesn't look himself again. Some unusual things. I don't know what it is. And some people want to blame Taylor Swift. I'm not going that far. But clearly the, the Chiefs, I look at the Chiefs and I say to myself, can they make it through the playoffs? Like they 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 had trouble early on and even, even a bit later in the game putting New England away. New England had chance if New England had any semblance of a consistent offense, it might it might have been a closer game. It was close for a while, as you guys know. So we'll see. So I think the Raiders' fast start, both offense and defense, will be key. But here's the question for the day, because the passion out there amongst Raider Nation for Coach Pierce and for what he's doing uh, is, is, is pretty remarkable. And I, and I appreciate it. Is if, if you guys watched our postgame show with me and Murph, then you know how he kind of felt about it. And, and I get that. Um, but I, I look at it from the perspective of an, uh, an objective point of view, right? So, so not as the fan point of view. And with that said, I mean, look, he bounced back. There's no question. They were not prepared to play the Minnesota game, I thought, and I thought a lot of that was on him because he's the head coach. But in between those two games, between that game and the Charger game, he did a couple things. One, they seemed better prepared from a game perspective, planning perspective, but also from a mentality perspective. They just seemed to be there more. I don't know. It just, it was. Second, he moves, whether it was his choice, I'm assuming it was his choice, moves Bo Hardegree upstairs. And I know it's only a one-game sample, so I'm not going to get carried away here. But it made all the difference in the world to have Bo Hardegree up there. Because look how he called the offense. He was a lot more aggressive. He seemed to have better flow in the game. He got let his quarterback and his offense get into a rhythm that they sustained. And really, they only had to play the first half. I mean, the game was over after the first half. But they did that in the second half, and then they got a little more conservative, which you expect with a lead that large. So, so I like that. So I give Antonio Pierce all the credit in the world. But what, what I'm seeing is anytime I bring up any sort of downsides to perhaps Pierce being the permanent coach after the season ends and he has to go through the interview process because he has to do that, is is the fact that people are like, oh, you hate on him. You don't like him. And I talked about this on, on Thursday night too. But that's not it at all. Because you see not just the upside, but also some of the challenges that he would face as a head coach of the NFL due to his lack of experience, that's not hating on a guy. It's just bringing up the yin and the yang. It's bringing up the positive. We all have positives. I have positives and negatives too. We all have strengths. And then we have challenges, things we have to get better at. So the question um, I have for all of you then today is um, if you look at it from an Antonio Pierce, obviously the things you like about him, right, which is, okay, he's a Raider through and through, all that stuff that, that you guys always talk about. He has rallied the troops from the locker room perspective, no question. And now 
they're three and three, right? So he's gotten to a 500 record, which is better than Josh McDaniels had them. So that piece of it, though, is okay. He's at three and three. If the Raiders lose the next three, and they go, and they go three and six under him, do you think he deserves a job? Is that good enough? Doesn't matter what what he was handed. It's about the opportunity he had and what did he do with it. That's how I look at it. So, so that's question number one. Question number two is: If he beats the Chiefs, is that enough? I'm seeing people say, "Hey, if he goes to Kansas City, wins that game, that's two in a row, beats the Chargers, beats the Chiefs." But then if he loses the other two, <laughs> um, he finishes below 500 still. So is beating the Chiefs enough? I mean, in college football, sometimes beating your rival, even if you're having a bad season, will save a coach's job. In this case, does it get him the job? I'm seeing a lot of people say yes. And that's real interesting to me because I don't know that that's enough. Like, I get what people are saying when they say, okay, give him the job. If he gets a job full time, get him a good offensive coordinator, somebody who's really good, and get him more tools, more people, and he can learn as he goes. And that's fine, but I think that's one path. One path is I'm willing to, because I like Antonio Pierce so much, and he stepped in at a tough time, I'm going to give him leeway and patience. And if leeway and patience means it takes them two more years to figure it out, are you on board with that? Are you on board with the Raiders maybe up and down, up and down? And I know what you're going to say. Hey, it's been 25 years of that. I get it. But again, inherent with somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience is going to be missteps. And that's fine. Like if you're down with that and you accept that and Mark Davis says, hey, that's what I'm going to do. Cool. I mean, his team, he can do what he wants, right? But that's very different from going from where they're at to, hey, I want to get as quickly as possible to a championship team, as far out of reach as that may seem to you, some of you. So if that's the case, then, you know, you have two things to measure there. You have, you have to say to yourself, are you going to be patient? Are you going to let the guy make mistakes? And oh, by the way, you can say go out and get a really good offensive coordinator. Hot. That doesn't mean they'll come to the Raiders. And if they do come to the Raiders, they'll be gone pretty quickly. So you have to have con- you're going to have continuity issues. That's the good thing when you when you have good assistant coaches is they're going to leave pretty quickly because they're so highly regarded and they're looking for that next step, right? So if that's the way it goes and and I'm seeing AJ DeMello our good friend which AJ got your call coming up later in the show by the way, your voicemail. Uh Beating Casey still isn't enough to keep Pierce be smart. No, I'm not saying that, AJ. I'm asking the viewers and the listeners that question. I'm seeing people say it. But I will tell you this. I think to your point, and it's it's made in your call later, we're going to have our mailbag segment today as well, is that you now have a a division. You have have coaches in the division. You have Sean Payton, which he's done – but no matter what you think of him, look what he's done in Denver. They were, they were terrible, right? Everybody thought they were a laughing stock. Look what they've done. Now, they lost big this week, I understand, to Detroit. But Detroit was due, and is, they're a better team, just clearly. So you have Sean Payton, you have Andy Reid, and then whoever the Chargers get in L.A. I don't know who that could be. I know a lot of you are saying, well, what if they get Harbaugh? What if they get Belichick? I don't think they will. The, the cheapest ownership in football with a roster that they have to turn over pretty significantly because of money, they're, they're $40 million over the cap. 
So I don't see the Chargers getting coached, but I understand the point. Let's say they did. Then suddenly you're looking at like three big-time name coaches, two of which have won Super Bowls, maybe a third depending who goes to L.A., and then you're going to have a guy learning on the job. So, so I get that perspective. On the other side of it, are the Raiders, is Mark Davis done with trying to go out and get the big name and he just wants to give the guy a shot? Again, I'm not advocating either. I have a preference, but the discussion should not be one of if Antonio Pierce, if you question whether he's the right guy, you're somehow hating on him or you're this or you're that. That shouldn't be it. And if you advocate for Pierce for whatever reason you have, that's fine. But again, there's upsides and downsides to both. You go get Frank Smith from Miami, former Raiders tight end coach, one of the hot commodities, even though he doesn't play call. He still has helped create that offense in Miami. You go get him. Are there risks? Of course. He's not been a head coach. Uh, he's been a coordinator. He's been around a lot more in the NFL than Antonio Pierce has. So you so you could weigh those back and forth. A Jim Harbaugh, that's a different conversation, right? Clearly no comparison. But I know as we've been saying on the show all along, which is you got to wait and see who wants the job. So no matter what Antonio Pierce does, it's going to set him up for a better chance or a worse chance of getting the job. I think that's what happens. And I don't think beating Kansas City is not enough. (laughs) You have to show consistency. This is what I said. Now, you could argue, well, if they beat the Chargers and they beat the Chiefs, they're showing a little bit of consistency. Yes, but you still got two more games after that. So, and then the worst thing that can happen for Antonio Pierce is the Chargers go into Kansas City on Christmas Day and get wiped out. That's not going to help at all. It would probably hurt his chances significantly. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm seeing Larry Fleming on our chat saying, hey, the question is subjective. I believe that the team will battle all the way to the end, and I'm confident they're going to give it their, th- their best, the three games. Being competitive is number one, and that matters. Sure, it matters. But is that how you hire a coach, just because they fought for the guy? No. I mean, in the NFL, it's about, it's about winning. It's about winning. And I think that you can't, you can't make excuses one way or the other. You can't make excuses to say, well, but he inherited this and he, he knew that going in. That's the challenge. It's not a small challenge. It's a major challenge. Not only because of what he inherited from Josh McDaniels, but also because of his lack of experience. But listen, I've always said since day one and will say until this is over, no matter which way it goes. I respect the hell out of Antonio Pierce. Good dude. And he stepped up and he, he's, he's transparent. He believes in responsibility and owning it. So when, when they don't do well, he owns it. He doesn't slough it off like Josh McDaniels used to do. He doesn't blame other people and come out there after a game you get wiped out and say, oh, but we did well in special teams. I mean, ridiculous, right? So I see, I see Paul Rader in there. What's my preference? I don't have a preference. I think the best person to, to get the job, and I don't know who that is. We have to see what Antonio Pierce does the way out. I'm skeptical, I'll put it that way, about Pierce, not because I don't like him. I'm skeptical 
because if you look at the statistics, excuse me, of interim coaches, I don't care where they are, over the last, since 2000, so the last 20 years, interim coaches who took over and then were given the full-time job, their track record is horrible. It, this, it's never worked out except in the case of Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett was interim coach, went on and, and took his team, the Cowboys, not deep enough clearly, but he went to the playoffs in three consecutive seasons after becoming the coach. And of course he was fired later. But in every other case, it's never worked out. And that includes with Raider coaches. So I'm just, I'm going on the data. Now, is there always an example of the data being wrong and somebody just breaks through and and is an outlier? Absolutely. But if you're Mark Davis, do you want to rely on that? I'm just saying. So if you look at the numbers and I'm I'm, I'm telling you, go look at the numbers on your own of interim head coaches who got the job full-time and, and how that ended. It's never ended well except for the Jason Garrett example. Now, they might have had limited success right after, but even getting into the playoffs the next season doesn't happen. So he's going against that. So it's not me. It's not my opinion or my preference. It's what the data tells us from previous examples. And a lot of that tends to be because guys who take over interim are given the role for a specific reason. It's not because they're the best head coaching candidate of people on the team, coaching on the coaching staff, that is. So with all that coaching staff of the Raiders, you had other guys with more experience in the NFL, including Patrick Graham Barely, who could do that. Okay? So if that's the, it's not a small pool, Dupree, on, on interim coaches, by the way. Is that what you're saying? I, I can't tell if that's what you're saying. Uh, because... 20 years of interim coaches, it's not small, that have gotten it, by the way. Go take a look at the data. Anyway, so you look at that and you say, okay, they passed him up. Why did they pass him up? Patrick Graham or Edgar Bett, any of those guys who have more coaching experience, no matter if it's position or coordinator or whatever. It's because he was the right guy at the right time. They needed to, to, to heal the fractured locker room that Josh McDaniels um, – that Josh McDaniels – inherited their Josh McDaniels ruined and 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 broke and he was the right guy to do it see that's the thing I think you look at interim coaches interim coaches are not always selected because they are the best person to audition for head coach now Antonio Pierce gets that chance but doesn't mean he was the best candidate it just means he was the right guy and I agree with the decision by Mark Davis he got those he was close to the players they trusted him implicitly and that's why you hear these guys talking about the fact, hey, Dupree, go look it up. You talk about the fact that, that they want to advocate for him as a full-time coach. Of course they do. He rescued them in essence. And it's important to hear from the guys on the team, the locker room, especially the leadership in that room. But they don't select the coach. You have to look past that. There's an emotional attachment there. It's different, especially when you come through a trauma, as they did. That's what happens. All right, we're going to take a quick break for the audio audience on video. We're coming right back as well. This is Silver and Black Today, the Tuesday edition. This is Scott Branson. We're coming back right after this.